And we're live with episode one of the Cold Shower Podcast. I want to thank everybody for joining us. I'm really excited for this episode uh, for a number of reasons. First of which, uh, it's our it's our first one, um, but also very excited for the guests that I could have. Um, he's my older brother. He's had uh, a life full of experiences that the game of basketball has afforded him. He's played at, at every level, um, and he now runs a successful business. And so I wanted to cover as much of that as we could um, in this episode. And so um, thanks for being with us. Thanks for being on, man. I'm, uh, it's an honor to be your first podcast. Pretty cool. And um, I'm excited to see where your podcast takes you uh, in the future. So it's, it's very cool to be a small part of it. And um, hopefully I can share some some good stories and good experiences that um, your listeners will get a, get a kick out of and hopefully learn a few things as we go. Right. All right. So with that, uh, let's get right into it. So why don't you um, kind of give an overview or, or go through um, your experiences as a player at all the different levels? Um. I would say that, uh, so started off kind of end of my high school career, heading into college, um, you know, quick overview. I was recruited by uh, schools from division one, division two, division three and NAIA schools. And, um, my final four schools were, uh, a D three, a D two, a D one and NAIA. I was, um, pretty torn about what I wanted to do from a, um, college standpoint and um, ended up playing for Hope College and I uh, absolutely loved my basketball experience there. Uh, for those that aren't familiar, it's a it's a basketball hotbed for small college basketball and um, basically being recruited by um, a couple mid-major Division One schools to schools in the GLIAC and NAIA and, and seeing a, um, a Hope College game and being on campus and um, was a very impressive um, to, to see the following and the support that they had. And um, now being, being older, I give a lot of players advice on where, you know, they might want to play basketball at the next level, train a lot of players that go on to play college basketball. And um, what I try to emphasize with them is it's not about the size of the school so much as it's about the people. And you mm-hmm. want to put yourself in life in, in any way. You want to put yourself around people that um, you're going to enjoy being around, that you're going to see yourself growing as an individual from. And, um, you know, going to a place like like Hope, this kind of turned into a Hope College promo. It's not supposed to That's be. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, uh, when kids choose a school, they need to go to a place where um, they feel like they're going to grow as a person and not just um, where they want to go play basketball from. And so um, deciding to go play play basketball at a small college was very unpopular for a lot of people that I was close with because um, being a, a small town kid and uh, you know, a high school player that, you know, we had a ton of success with our high school basketball teams and everybody wanted me to be a division one player and deep down, I wanted to be a division one, one player too. Um, but when it came down to making the decision, I was finding myself weighing and putting value on other things that weren't basketball. And that's the right way to do it in, in my opinion. And it doesn't mean everybody needs to go to a D one or D two or D three or NA or, or whatever it is, you know, everybody's right decision is, is going to be different and that's, that's fine. Um, but 
one thing that I'm, I'm probably pretty proud of, of myself looking back uh, an 18 year old Steve Kramer, so to speak, was um, the fact that I was able to, to make a decision where it was unpopular among a lot of the people that I was around being on the east side of the state. People aren't familiar with the whole college name, um, but going to a place where my best friends to this day are my teammates. You know, we've been in each other's weddings and, and all those different things that go well beyond the, the game of basketball. And uh, so as I continue to play basketball at the college level, um, you know, my dream as a kid was to play in the NBA, right? Every, every kid has a dream to play in the NBA. And, and I held on to that dream probably longer than, than most, um, was wanting to play basketball at the, the highest level. And um, being a, you know, a little kid, junior high kid, early high school, like I was still honestly like thinking that I was going to be an NBA player until... Yeah. Um, probably like the second half of my my high school career, um, just training that seriously to to try to be an elite player, you know, one of the best players in the world. And um, so as I started to figure out from a talent standpoint that, you know, God probably had blessed me with that amount of, of talent um, and then going on to play college basketball about halfway through college, you know, I was playing in some of the Grand Rapids leagues that were probably some of the best summer leagues in the state of Michigan and had the chance to play against a lot of players who were um, either trying to play in the NBA or were playing professionally in Europe, uh, playing against a lot of division one players. And here I am playing basketball with them. And I'm thinking I'm better than some of these guys. Mm -hmm. and, and so the, the wheel started turning again of, you know, maybe this isn't NBA, but maybe I can still play basketball for a living. Um, and so having kind of um, my goals change and, and then that coming coming back into the fold again, probably my junior year of, of college saying, you know, I think I can go to Europe somewhere and people, somebody's going to pay me to play basketball for, mm -hmm. for a living. And so I started to get that, that goal, that, that, um, emphasis on what I want to do for a career again. And, uh, fortunately, um, after playing basketball at, at Hope, one team in Europe gave me a chance to play. Um, because from a European basketball standpoint, from those that aren't familiar with it, um, they don't want anybody but a division one player. Right. Um, so you could, you could be a bench player for division one, or you could be an all American at division two or division three. And they're still going to think that guy who played division one and rode the pine is, is better. Right. And, um, so literally nobody wanted me to play. Nobody thought I was any good. The only reason I got a chance to play on one team overseas was because I had a former teammate, Greg Emick, who got one shot to go over there and he played in a small league and he was like the best player in the league. And uh, so he moved on to play in a higher level and he was leaving this team. And so that club that he was with was looking for another guard. And he's like, well, I know a guy who would do really well here. And uh, so that team took his word for it. They gave me a chance to play basketball. And uh, the rest was kind of kind of history. I think I went over my first year and averaged just under like 33 a game. I led, mm. led the league in scoring by a, a wide margin. And, um, you know, I thought I was probably going to play basketball for, you know, 10 years and continue to work my way up the, 
professional ranks of playing European basketball and who knows what could happen after that. And, um, I ended up playing basketball for, for four years and, and continue to kind of chip my way up and play at higher levels and continue to have more excess success. And, um, as people will find out later in life, um, there's different decisions that you have to make. And ultimately, um, my wife and I, we made the decision to kind of cut my career a little earlier so we could start a family in the U S um, she's super, super intelligent. She was getting super bored, mm-hmm. basically living in an apartment in another country while I was traveling around the country playing basketball. Um, so it was extremely tough for, for her. Um, and, and so with that mindset of, you know, we, we, there's more to life than basketball. You know, I want my, my wife to be happy. I want to start a family and we want to do that in the U S and so different things came into, to play. Um, that, uh, you know, play basketball for four years. I've played basketball and I think almost 10 countries around the world and had some, some pretty crazy experiences. So in a nutshell, from, a, a playing perspective, that's a, a little bit, tiny bit of my experiences. And that's a big part of what I do for a living now, because a lot of the best coaches and training that I've ever had were European coaches. I mean, the, probably the best coach I've ever played for was a Croatian guy. His name was Nenad Jasapovic. And uh, the way he approached the game and and taught it and broke it down is honestly a huge part of what I do with Kramer basketball training is, is the, the way that I learned basketball. Almost unlearned and then relearned how to practice and how to play in my European basketball experience. And I think that's one of the reasons that my basketball training has been really successful is because um, being in other countries and having all these experiences of playing with players from literally around the entire world um, has been a huge benefit to um, having different approaches, different styles, understanding that there's, there's more ways um, to do the right thing. And, um, you know, that's definitely benefited me in a ton of ways. Yeah, that's, I think we could break, break down your experience playing overseas um, so much further. And I know that we'll get you on um, other episodes to maybe share some more of those stories and stuff. But um, I love how you kind of said maybe you hung on to that dream a little longer, that NBA dream, than the average person. Uh, maybe most people um, kind of let go of that once they get into high school um, and things like that. But do you think kind of maybe hanging on to that a little longer than you should have um, helped you improve to a level and get more out of, out of your natural gifts than maybe the average person. Cause I mean, you're only six, two, yeah. um, but you've still achieved those high levels of play. No question. I think that anybody that wants to be successful in whatever it is they do, they have to have, uh, an extra level of optimism and confidence in their abilities. And so I think the fact that in a lot of ways I overestimated myself, allowed me to play basketball at the professional level against the guys that were playing. You know, I played against guys from the NBA, the the G League, Big East, Big Ten. I mean, guys that you've watched, you know, on TV in mm-hmm. March Madness. I've played against those guys and I've got the better of a lot of them right. when, when we've played against each other. And so although that wasn't the NBA, um, having uh, a confidence and the effort and the time and the, the work that you put in and really believing in yourself, no doubt gave me a chance to 
in a lot of ways play above what my talent level was. You know, I think um, if you were to see some of the teams that I had the chance to play on and you were to just line all the guys up and pick teams, there's a good chance you're going to pick me last, you know, and then, you know, on quite a few of those teams, I was the leading scorer, the team MVP, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think um, what's interesting too, is that, so you go to college, um, you know, maybe once you let go of that NBA dream, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to try to get a little bit of school paid for, um, go play in front of these thousands of fans for four years, um, get my degree while I'm there and then get a run on the mill job. Um, and so what's interesting to you, because I know, um, you kind of did that for a little while. Once you uh, came back from playing pro ball, you try to get a teaching job, you have a teaching degree. Um, and then after that, you kind of slowly built this Kramer basketball training business that maybe you can answer it for me. I don't know if that was your plan from the very first camp that you set up to make it a full-time thing. Um, but now, you know, you're 33, 34 years old and really you're still playing basketball, um, on a daily basis, um, training people and things like that. So it has become a long-term thing for you as far as the game of basketball. Um, and so what, what does life look like now after all that? Yeah. So just kind of take you through a little bit after I finished, uh, playing, to be honest with you, I went through, you know, some level of depression, to be honest with you, after I stopped playing basketball in Europe. I mean, from playing basketball at a, at a high level and, you know, on a daily basis, you know, whether I had a good practice, bad practice, good game, bad game, there was this reward of going to work every day and being like, I work my tail off to play basketball at a, at a really high level. And so that was really rewarding. And so then when we decided to move back to the States and my degrees in education, I love working with, with kids. That's helped me a ton and immensely in my basketball training as well. Cause my background's working with, with young people. Um, that's one, one of my passions was along with playing basketball at an early age was working with, with young people. And, um, so getting back into education and doing some coaching, my plan was not to start my own business and do that full time. Um, really what happened was I was working a normal job, so to speak, and getting into some coaching and some, some basketball lessons. And, um, there was a camp that I started thumb pride basketball camp. I would do that camp, you know, every year for, for a while. And, um, but honestly not being in basketball all day long, well, it was still killing me. That was just Mm -hmm. kind of what I had come accustomed to. And I'd worked really hard to make that uh, a reality. And so being in education for two years, I absolutely loved working with the kids. Um, but there wasn't enough basketball in it for me. And, um, I, I remember literally I, I had a tennis ball for a long period of time when I was at USA schools and I would walk around with a tennis ball and I would like, I'm like dribbling it, you know, which you shouldn't do if you're a teacher. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like dribbling a tennis ball in the halls and like playing catch with myself. Like I was just so active. In fact, uh, there was a stretch that first year coming back where I get up really early in the morning, right? I had to be at school at about, say like 7, 15 AM for work, right? So I would get up at, you know, sometimes before six or whatever it was, and I would go to the school and work out for an hour. 
just basketball skill development, just work on my game, just because I, in my mind, I had to play it. Um, and so I, I would work out. I would go to school all day. School gets out at, you know, 3.15 or so. I would go into the locker room, put my gear back on, and I would run on the track. I'd go up in the weight room and lift weights. And then I would um, get back in the gym and, and work out again. Sometimes um, I would, like, no doubt – People, I've told people this. They thought I was literally insane because I got a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And then I told them I'm making sure I get 10 to 12 workouts in a week. Yeah. Well, I got a full-time job. I was, and one of my buddies, I was telling like, I'm not playing basketball anymore, but I'm still training as if I'm still a professional basketball player who's got another job. And, and I did that for, for a while. Eventually, like I just, I just got worn out and I was like, you can't live life like this. Like I was living two jobs almost, which Mm -hmm. you just can't do, which is a big reason why I went into basketball training full time because I wanted to to do it so bad. But um, there was a stretch where I, you know, I'd stopped playing basketball. I still wanted to play it so bad that I'd get up super early, work out, be at school all day, um, work out, run on the track, come home, grab some dinner. I might even head back to the gym that night and get shots up for, for an hour, stuff like that. And, um, so after two years of doing that and different people were starting to ask me about the lessons that I was giving training other kids, people were starting to get results, uh, from working with me. And, um, I'll never forget. There was a coach near Traverse city and he just calls me out of the blue one day. He's like, Steve, I see, just seeing, you know, on Facebook, some of the stuff that you're doing and I want you to do with all my kids. And I was blown away. Like you want me to drive from, you know, one side of Michigan to the other Mm -hmm. and you're going to pay me to coach your kids. And, uh, that was kind of when the the light switch went on was like, maybe I can do this for a living. If I actually try to promote it a little Mm -hmm. bit, that this is something that, that I can offer because up to that point, I thought it was just I'd do a local basketball camp and train some some local players because that was something I was passionate about doing. Just kind of do it on the side, and um, through some other opportunities from people showing interest in different parts of the state, I started to figure out I can do this. And then eventually that led to Kramer basketball training, which I've been doing full time for for four years, and you know I've had the chance to literally change train players from around the United States. Um, I think in the past year, we past couple of years, we worked with players from, I think three different countries that have, you know, been to a camp or, mm-hmm. you know, come from Germany over here to, to work with things like that. So that's been pretty, pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, part of why you're, you're such a valuable guest is that, um, you know, obviously a large portion of your life is built around the game of basketball. I mean, that's your livelihood now. Um, but the lessons that, you offer, um, in the business side of things too. Um, and so I wanted to kind of ask for those that maybe aren't into just the basketball portion is, um, do you think there's a lot of parallels between being successful, whether you're working under somebody else, being successful as an entrepreneur and being a successful athlete? So where do those intersect? Maybe what lessons, um, you know, did you learn on the court that you're now applying to your business? Cause you built that business from the ground up just like, um, you built yourself as a player 
starting at a very young age. So I don't know if there's those parallels there. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of parallels. I think, um, you know, kind of the four pillars of how I try to live my life are, you know, faith, passion, service, and sacrifice. And, um, you know, thinking about those four things, those can apply to anything that you're doing in life. So, you know, I provide those to, on a, from a basketball perspective, but really that's something that you can look at from, from any way. Um, because, you know, I've been a Christian close to my whole life. And I feel like that's also been something that has allowed me to take some risks and chances from a basketball standpoint, from a business standpoint, from all these different areas of life, um, just because I feel good about where my foundation is. And I know if um, I try out for a team and I don't make the team, or if I try to start a business and the business fails, that's not the end of the world. Like there's much more to life than, than your job. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's been a huge foundation for me. And, um, you know, I really feel like God gave me a passion for the game of basketball and he gave me a passion for working with people. And um, so I think if people can find something that they really can't stop thinking about, you need to think about going into that at least part time or doing something on the side that, that you're passionate, passionate about. Not necessarily that it, you might even make money doing it, but you need to be involved in something that that you love, because if. If you're spending so much time thinking about, man, I'm really passionate about this specific thing and you don't give it a try, you're going to re- regret that forever. Right. So, um, so you have to be willing to, to jump in sometimes and take some take some risks. And um, I think today, more than ever, if people are willing to gain a little bit more of a service mindset than a a sell mindset or uh, follow me or like my mm-hmm. page and all that stuff. But if you can really focus whatever it is that you're passionate about in some type of way that promotes a service to other people, there's going to be value in it. Somebody's going to want whatever that is because you're a person that is thinking about, in my case, I'm thinking about basketball all the time. Well, there's plenty of people out there that want to improve their basketball team and they want a person who is that dedicated to improving other people. Um, and so, you know, just faith, the passion, that service. And then if you combine that with being willing to sacrifice some time and, uh, from a basketball experience, I remember playing basketball and being home in the summer. Um, you know, we, we'd often have a three, depending on where you were playing overseas around, it was give or take around a three month off season and being home during the summer. A lot of times I go to the gym on Friday nights when you know people want me to hang out, there's family dinners and different types of, of, of things. But I would usually sacrifice my Friday nights in the off season during the summer because in my mind, that was an extra workout that was going to give me a lot of confidence to be successful. And I truly feel like it, it did because while other people, while I knew other people were partying and eating junk food and doing a movie or, you know, whatever it was, I was putting in getting an extra workout in, in the gym on a Friday night. People don't generally work out on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, 
doing that type of, you know, sacrifice on a consistent basis and just that compound effect of that building and building and building gave me so much confidence in, in what I do. And now with my business, it's, it's the same thing because there's a lot of people that do basketball training and basketball lessons on the side. Like they do it a little bit. You know, I was, I won't mention the, the name, but like I was, I was talking to a guy and he was saying, oh, yep, I'm a basketball trainer. I was a basketball trainer for so many years and blah, blah, blah. And so I was asking him some questions about it. Well, it turns out he was a teacher. Like he had a teaching job like I used to, but like he wasn't a basketball trainer. He did that a little bit. Right. And there's a big difference between doing that and being 24 seven. This is what pays the bills for my wife and my daughter and, and all that. Like, that's the that's what I've sacrificed and dedicated my myself to. And um, I'm fortunate enough that it's kind of built up to that. And um, I'm kind of excited to see where it continues to take me from here. Right. Yeah. Just because I have a little bit of the inside info being being your brother, I've seen the way it grows, um, on a month to month yearly basis, um, how you're able to book your calendar way in advance. Cause you have these opportunities to run these clinics or train individual players and stuff like that. Um, and so clearly, um, you're an entrepreneur, you've, you've built that business. Um, and it seems like being an entrepreneur, um, now in society, whether that's kind of led by the millennials or whatever generation, um, it's a hot thing right now. Like everybody wants to, wants to go into that. Um, and I think oftentimes they see the most glamorous parts of that. Um, and so I wanted to ask you, um, what's the least glamorous portion of kind of being your own boss, being an entrepreneur, but then maybe share to some of that glamorous aspect of it as well. Yeah, I think for me, for me being so passionate about what I do, the glamorous part to me is probably the unglamorous part for others. Um, the fact that I can literally um, create workouts and programs and be in touch with coaches on a daily basis. I couldn't tell you how many coaches I talk to every single day through phone, text, email. Um, that is glamorous to me. I mean, that's what I want to do. So um, for the most part, I'm an introvert. And so a normal day will be spent in my, in my office you know, obviously I'm, I'm working out and training, but a lot of my day is spent alone in my office, whether it be contracts, working on player, player development, workouts, creating new programs. Um, we just created a new online training program that I'm continuing to, to build out, uh, which is, you know, hundreds of videos, hours of, of content and footage, just a true video database. And just creating different types of basketball programming, workouts, content, services for other coaches and players, that is the glamour to me. And um, I think, like you said, a lot of um, people that are looking at starting their own business and being an entrepreneur, they're looking at the glamour side of maybe the result of somebody who's who's wealthy or, you know, they can go on a vacation whenever they want, those different types of things. And if that's, if that's your goal, you're not going to cut it as an entrepreneur because you have to love the, the, the slow process of literally building something from, from nothing. Uh, my first year of having my own business, 
I literally made hardly any money for an entire winter. And my, my schedule was I would wake up, go to the gym and train. I would come home and get my laptop out. And I created basically four Kramer basketball programs at that point. I created a attack program, a, a game situation program, a shooting program, and a finishing program. And it took me a whole winter to create what this would look like. So I would go and work out. I would sit by myself on a laptop writing what this would look like from a player development standpoint. And then I would go work out again later in the day, work out twice a day. And that was what I found joy in. And um, I think anybody that is going to be a successful entrepreneur needs to love that kind of grind with whatever it is that they really like to do. Living, breathing that throughout the, throughout the day. That's when you got a chance to be successful much more than building a following and taking cool pictures of yourself. You know, that's not going to do it. Right. So you found the, maybe the least glamorous of the grinding aspect of being an entrepreneur. Um, You actually enjoyed that stuff. Um, now I know there was a great risk involved with you deciding to do this while starting a family, um, and things like that. This wasn't all laid out for you. Um, you probably at the time wouldn't have even known that however many years later that you could be here, um, now with the clientele and things like that, that you have. Um, so what are some of those barriers or obstacles, or can you think to a specific time where you were like, man, I thought I could make this work. And now I'm not so sure because you ran into something. Yeah, I would think for anybody that's trying to start their own business, it's going to take longer than you think. And for me, starting my own business, I had a little bit of a a thought process of I'm just going to be able to tell people that this is what I do full time now. And everybody's just going to start coming to me, which looking back on it is extremely stupid thought. But that's what I thought was going to happen. And, um, realistically it just, it's any type of work is about the relationships that you have building trust with your clients and that takes time. And, uh, so with anybody that's trying to start a business, you gotta be willing to, to, to just the slow growth and development and, that's really what it took. And in all honesty, like it was, it was really, if you're just looking at it from a financial side, it was frustrating for two years, you know, the first two years, but just having this belief in the back of my mind that this is growing, like there are signs that what I'm doing is, is working. And my background from a player, from a coach, from a education level, and I just have to be patient and keep working my butt off and it's going to continue to grow and, and it has continued to continue to develop. I mean, we Kramer basketball started in Ohio, but I'm from Michigan. And so I, I literally started a business in a state where I didn't know anybody. I started Kramer basketball training and didn't know one person. And all of that was just me trying to meet people, trying to make connections. And most people turn you down. They shoot, shoot you down. You don't know, they don't know who you are. You know, they don't, they don't trust you because you have no history with them. 
But if you can continue to be persistent and somebody gives you an opportunity, you make the most of that opportunity and things are going to grow from there. And that's kind of what my, my business has been. A couple people gave me a chance and now it's developed into, you know, a full-time job that, um, it was kind of funny. I got, I was, I was offered a job by somebody that I just met like a week ago. And, uh, I explained a little bit of what I do for a living and they didn't know, like they had no idea that like, this is a legit business. This is what I do. They thought it was like some little side thing. They offered me a job in their, their company. They thought I'd be a good fit, which was pretty cool. Right. Um, but there, there's definitely a misunderstanding of, uh, kind of what I do because it, it, even though entrepreneurship is becoming more popular among, you know, like the millennial side, People that are older than me totally have no idea what I do, which which is fine. But uh, it's it's pretty funny to hear people kind of talk about what I do, and they'll kind of talk down on it a little bit. Like they'll feel sorry for me, and I'm like, no, like this is like I'm doing. I'm pretty happy with myself. <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I mean, and. Um, you know, different people will ask like, Steve, so what do you want to do? Like, what, what's, what's the plan? I was like, I'm living my plan. Like everything that I'm doing right now, I'm living the dream. Like the, the work that I'm doing with, with training and traveling, running, running different clinics and camps. So that's been pretty funny. And, and, and that was honestly a little bit of my life story because that was the same experience I had playing basketball in Europe was there were people from all over the map, you know, just across the board. There were people that thought I was like equivalent of an NBA player, which is not true. And then there were people who literally asked me like, can you really make a living playing basketball? Like I told them I played basketball in Europe for my job. And they thought like I had another job in Europe and I was playing some basketball on the side or something. I was like, no, this is like a legit job. Like I got a car and an apartment and like all this stuff and it's all paid for. And, um, so it, it's, uh, it's unusual, I know, but, um, it's also been really rewarding to be able to take some risks and see the reward of those risks and really believe in yourself and putting in the work. Right. Yeah. Like how you said, um, just a couple things I wanted to hit on the being patient aspect. So you had said, even though maybe if you could graph it out that your business wasn't going up necessarily, those changes that were being made, those improvements to your business, um, maybe weren't measurable, um, by income or anything like that. Um, and so you said being patient. Um, and I think what a lot of people, um, confuse entrepreneurship for, and I think I heard this on another podcast, the guy had made a joke. He'd said like, just cause you're unemployed doesn't mean you can claim to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> and I thought that was, good. I thought that was so true. Good. Um, so in that same aspect, being patient while pursuing this entrepreneurship doesn't just mean sitting around. Um, you are still working. The income may not be increasing with that work, but it will eventually pay off down yeah. the line. And so I like, I like how you hit on that. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, from, it's just kind of funny because when it comes to being an entrepreneur, you have to do so much work on the front end without seeing a reward. And you got to trust and believe that that work is going to pay off on the back end. 
Right. And so for me, that front end was two years really of just trying to make the ends meet. And then all of a sudden like year three hit and my business just went like, you know, when, when people that you've never met are finding your phone number and finding ways to get a hold of you and they want you to go and train them or, you know, every week I get emails from people. I have no idea who they are. They want me to train their sons and daughters. Most of the time I can't just there's travel. There's too much going on. Um, but it's because of all of that work on the front end that I put in where now there's, I'm fortunate enough that there's people, there's so many people that want to work with me and I just have to tell them, no, can't do it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been a, a blessing of that patience and, and that persistence and, and believing in the work that you're doing. Yeah. And then I, you'd also mentioned too, how it can be difficult to explain exactly uh, what you do. And so um, I think that's true with entrepreneurship or starting your own business um, in general, it can be um, difficult just for, for a normal venture to try to explain to somebody uh, what you're doing. And I can only imagine it's probably magnified when that entrepreneurship avenue is basketball. It's a sport. Yeah. Um, it's a, people see it as a game. Uh, it's not the um, way to, to provide uh, for your family and things like that. And so do you think uh, there's a lot of misconceptions about what you do? Have you found yourself to be judged um, by some of that stuff? Because I know um, a lot of times people will say when you meet somebody for the first time, their first question will be, um, what do you do for a living? And for a lot of people, they ask that question so that they can then uh, say, well, how much am I going to respect this person? Because they're doing this. Um, and so do you think you're you're judged a little bit on that stuff? What misconceptions are there? Um, so great question. I think that, again, people that are a little bit older and people that don't understand just with the use of technology and the ways that you're able to um, really monetize yourself in all different avenues, they're almost like, huh, like taken aback when you tell them that you do basketball training for for a living. And you know, from realistically, from a business, you know, I I do camps, I do clinics, we have gear, we have online training, we have DVDs, I do speaking. Like they're the streams of income are all over the place, you know, so, but people don't think of that necessarily firsthand when you say like you you do, you do basketball training, but um, the areas to run a business when you are an entrepreneur and create income for yourself are very vast, which is a huge, huge asset compared to, um, you know, if I work for, certain company and that there's no shame in that. Right. But that's the company that's paying me and whatever they're paying me, that's what I get. Um, whereas with me, the opportunity to grow, you know, there's not necessarily a ceiling as far as uh, revenue and, and those different types of things. So it's scary for, for a lot of people. It's uh, hard to understand for a lot of people, but the people that are kind of in on that and have some experience of, either doing it themselves or they know other people that have done it before. Um, Those people almost give you even more respect because they understand 
the grind and the, the effort and the sacrifice and the risk that is involved in starting your own business. And I think some of the people that, you know, respect me the most, thankfully are the people that I, that I work with the most, you know, being uh, predominantly high school basketball coaches and parents and players. And that's all I need to be concerned with is, is providing value to them and other people on the side that I say, I, I do basketball training for a living and, yeah, I might tell them a little bit about it. And if they don't think much of it, it's cool with me. Right. Yeah. It seems to be the trend with kind of how you've operated. Cause you mentioned in the very beginning, like, um, I picked a college, um, that wasn't as popular with my community. Cause everybody wants to be able to say Steve Kramer. I went to high school with this guy. He now plays division one or whatever. Um, and so I think a lot of times for you, it looks like your success, um, has often been a result of having to make that unpopular decision. Um, just like, you know, pursuing this avenue, um, that probably didn't make sense to many people outside of you, but you had that, that bigger plan, um, and thought that with your passion and the value you could provide people, um, that you'd be able to turn this into something which you, which you clearly have. And so I want to get a little more specific. You'd mentioned, um, like streams of revenue. And so could you quickly touch on a bit of that on how, um, maybe you start out with one stream and then the decision to maybe add some more in, how do you, um, not move too quickly or go at the right pace so that it doesn't get out of control, um, be able to, to keep all that intact so that you can continue to provide that value without watering down your services, I guess. Let me, can I interrupt real quick? I'll come back to that question, but, um, I want people that are watching or listening to understand, um, you know, your true friends are going to be happy for your success. And the ones that maybe you thought were your friends, when you make a, a, a sacrifice, you take a, a risk and then you wind up being successful. And then you'll find out that if they were really your friends or not. Um, I literally thinking about one person who, was a friend of mine who literally like when I started doing it was like, Oh, you can't make any money doing that. Like you, you gotta get, you gotta do something else. Um, and person tell me, you just gotta get a teaching job. Like, what do you, what are you doing with like this basketball stuff? Like you can't, you can't do that. And, um, then going and actually doing it and making that, uh, a success. And then you see that same person, like we're still not supporting you, not happy for you. And they just kind of wanted you to do whatever it is that, that they were doing. And, and so that's, that's frustrating. Um, and you got to kind of just brush it off. But uh, I think that anybody that's had success in whatever it is that they, that they do has experienced, experienced that. And I'm definitely you know, not immune to, to that either. Mm. Yeah. So getting back to those streams of revenue, how did you handle some of that in terms of trying to get more going, um, but keeping it manageable? Yeah. So what I started out with was I moved to Bowling Green, Ohio, and I went to a sports director and I pitched basketball lessons to him. I said, you know, you do a bunch of basketball teams and instruction here here's something that I would like to provide, which is uh, more of a serious basketball training for some older players, junior high and high school players. And can you give me a 
a couple hours a week just to offer this. And if the kids sign up and they attend, then, you know, you're going to, you're going to make money off of me and I'm going to get a chance to, to do this. And they gave me a, they gave me a chance. And I mean, talk about starting small. I, I started training, I think six players. And by the spring, it went to like 12 players, like super, super, mm. super small. Um, and so developing a little bit for what I did personally was just working with a few individuals, developing relationships. Um, my for most people don't know this. My first basketball camp with Kramer basketball training, I had to cancel it. Yeah. I think I told you that I had to cancel it because like two people signed up for a camp that was like three, four days long, you know, like I just couldn't do it. I had to cancel that first camp, like just this slow, slow growth. And now, you know, the, the last three events that we've ran in Bowling Green have been sold out. You know, we have a hundred plus athletes that have come out to our stuff. And, um, so going from the training, which is more of an individualized to doing more group clinic camps is what it developed into from there. And then as that grew, then I went into um, providing more specialized instruction for specific coaches. And that's a huge part of what I do now is coaches, high school coaches will call me up and I'll only work with their team and their program. Um, and so that developed into another stream that I had. And as all that started to grow, my following started to grow a little bit. Then I started to do some of the stuff that people might be a little more, you know, I started to sell gear, right? So people want to buy your, you know, your Kramer basketball shirt. Um, then I started to get into DVDs and online training. Um, as people uh, get to hear a little bit of your story from a camp or a lesson, then they'll ask you to speak uh, to a high school group or what, whatever it might be. And so it was important for me that you don't try to do all of that at once, but you're willing to say, okay, this is an area that I'm going to try to master. And then once I get that down, I'm going to add one thing. And then once I start to get that down, I'm going to add another thing. And so that's, that's the way that I've done it. And it seems to be working for me. I think if I would have started out and tried to do everything all at once, you know, it might not have worked out, hmm. you know, because you can't, you can't sell products. You can't sell Kramer basketball gear. Everybody can buy basketball gear, but if you don't have a following and a sports system for people to buy it, well, now you just lost all this money because you paid, you know, thousands of dollars on t-shirts or, hmm. or whatever it is. You can't build a, online training system when you don't have anybody to buy it. Right. And so it's, it's slowly building. And I think being able to look uh, kind of long-term and work your way backward and saying, you know, this is where I would like to be in five years or one year or whatever it is and working backwards of what are the steps that it's going to take for me to get there. Um, that's really important. And at the same time, understanding that it's not going to be smooth. There's going to be changes. Those ideas that you have might need to change. 
in order for you to find success and whatever it is. So being willing to roll with the punches, so to speak, as you continue to build out whatever your business is, is unnecessary when you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I think that's really good information for for everybody who's thinking about, like you said, pursuing something part time. Um, you know, because you got to be smart. You can't, um, you know, jump in if you don't have um, some savings to fall back on or whatever it might be. Um, and so it is okay to to do some of this part time and uh, either keep it that way, or if it's something that's just eating at you way too much. Um, like you with basketball, that was not an option to be part-time. You need to be in it full-time because that's what, what you felt like you needed to be doing. Um, but even, but even like you said, I didn't, like I was playing basketball and then I didn't go full-time in a basketball training. Yeah. I had this two years where I was in education and started to kind of do a couple things on the side and other people started to ask me to be involved. And I think, um, that's one thing that I would really recommend to people that want to get into a training or a service is you don't have to go. You really, honestly, you don't have to go all in from a uh, financial standpoint, just play with something like you have your, you have your main job. That's what's paying the bills and just get started in something else that you're passionate about. And maybe it's going to stay that way. Maybe you're going to find out you're not as passionate about it as you thought, or maybe it's going to continue to develop like it it did for me. And you're seeing the signs of, boy, if I just develop and give the time to this 24 seven, it's going to grow into something that is actually going to pay the bills and provide for your family. Right. Yeah, man. I think um, this was a great episode where you got to glean a lot of lessons from your playing days, but also now as you've transitioned into, um, owning your own business. And like I said earlier, um, we could go into a lot further detail about each of those topics. And I do plan to, um, in later episodes, I can access you. You're my brother. So, um, we're going to get you on plenty more of these. So now I just want to, um, kind of plug my stuff and then I'll give you the opportunity, um, at the end to plug your business. Cause I want people to, to know that, um, we're very accessible. And so if there's any, uh, like questions or or concerns or comments that you would have for, um, what I'm doing with my podcast, um, please reach out. And then the same for you. If anybody has basketball specific questions, they can reach out, but even certainly, uh, business related questions, you know, you're not gonna be, um, charging them for their time or anything, just ask you a quick question. Um, and so, uh, for me, I want to appreciate, or I appreciate everybody listening in. Um, so please follow me at cold shower on Facebook. Um, you can, uh, subscribe to this podcast. Um, give it a, give it a ranking as well. It really helps us out as we're getting this thing, um, started and hopefully building to something bigger. Um, so go ahead and plug your stuff. Yeah. So you can find me at, uh, Kramer basketball.com Kramer with a, with a C. Um, I'm on every type of social media. We have a really good YouTube channel, over 100 videos on our YouTube channel, Kramer Basketball, for anybody that's uh, looking for extra instruction drills. And uh, if you're interested in any of the camps, events that we have going on, uh, our online training program is is just coming out and it's starting to blow up a little bit. People are loving loving the program where you can you know access all my workout stuff right through your right through your phone and so you can dig into all those different things or contact me right through my website at kramerbasketball.com all right excellent well hey we appreciate you being on this first episode um and for your listeners stay tuned we're going to bring plenty uh, more content to you guys um and so thanks for listening in